Welcome to This Is Comp, a series of Discord and Rhyme mini-sodes where we talk about various artist compilations song by song. You can get early access to these episodes by donating to our Patreon at the $5 level, which you could find at patreon.com slash discordpod. I'm Amanda Rogers here tonight with... Rich Bennell And John McFerrin. You can find us on Twitter at DiscordPod, and if you would be so kind as to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using, we would be ever so grateful to you. Many thanks to the Hector Collectors and to Kenneth Crayley, who helped us out with the original music for these episodes. Now, for this series, we are working our way through Nuggets, and in this episode, we're going to cover Disc 2, Tracks 9 through 15. Uh, First up is the Chocolate Watch Band, who we've heard before. This song is called Sweet Young Thing. Thing is our second entry from Los Altos, California's Chocolate Watch Band, who we last heard from on Disc One's Let's Talk About Girls. Um, this was their second single, released in 1967. Uh, now, like the 13th Floor Elevators, this is another band that a brief capsulized review cannot summarize adequately, but they're primarily notable for being basically the American Stones, except they lean more heavily on the psychedelia. Um, and this song even has the cheekiness to quote part of the riff from Paint It Black in a slightly different rhythm, which is something I didn't notice until... Uh, just reviewing it for this for these episodes. Um, I have to confess, personally, that all the Stones sound-alikes um, kind of wear me down by this point in the compilation, and we're only on disc two here. Uh, but if this band has more to offer, I'm interested to hear it. Um, and I think the Paint It Black quote is pretty amusing, and I'm not sure whether it was intentional. It would be hilarious if so. I'm inclined to think it was because of the mm-hmm. great effort they evidently went to to make that guitar sound like a sitar. Or at least I assume that's a guitar. I don't know how a tiny little band like the Chocolate Watch Band would have gotten their hands on a sitar. But this is, you know, maybe the most blatant of the Stones sound-alikes that I've heard yet on here. It's they're they're not even trying to not sound like the Stones. Well, the the thing is, like, I love the Rolling Stones. Like, I feel like I could make a good case for them as my favorite band. But I didn't know that. It again, a good case. But here's the thing, like, it's it's one thing to try to imitate or to, you know, to make yourself sound somewhat like the Stones. But this band, like, I get the feeling that their lead singer basically held the rest of the band at gunpoint and made them listen to Aftermath on Endless Loop for eight hours at a stretch. 
like it's so dead on that it's almost terrifying. Like it's not just the painted black reference. Like there are parts in his delivery where I feel like he's going to break into something from going home, like at any given moment. Like there are so many little cribs from aftermath on here that like I like the song, but it 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 does make me raise an eyebrow just how close they're going to the stones in that era. It can't possibly be accidental. Yeah. But as for the song itself, any song that contains the phrase young thing automatically gets a pretty solid side eye for me. And that goes for Michael Jackson too, by the way. And especially when the lyrics go, sweet young thing, come on and open your door. It's gross. And honestly, I'm kind of inclined to be suspicious of the band's name as well, but that's because my inner 10-year-old always assumes that chocolate in a title is a euphemism for poop. That is correct. Yeah. I don't know what watch bands have to do. I don't know where the watch bands come in, and I don't want to think about that too hard. Well, you're all about poop in these comp episodes, Amanda. I am. I am. Well, they, I, I didn't start it, though. <laughs> it's right there. Uh, but potential grossness aside and potential Rolling Stones plagiarism aside, it's it's a fun song, which is exactly how I feel about actual early Stones songs. So, you know, there you go. Mission accomplished. Yeah, good use of the first half of the Paint It Black riff, Chocolate Watch Band. Good song. Yeah, way to go. John, did you have anything else to say? No. No, I mean, I, I mean yeah, it, it, it sounds like it sounds like a throwaway Stone song from that era, which is not the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Even the throwaway were, Stone songs were still excellent. Right. It, but if this were after, if, if this were on Aftermath, it would be like my ninth favorite song on the album, probably. Fair enough. Okay, next up, you all know this one. This is the Strawberry Alarm Clock with Incense and Peppermints. Chocolate Watch Pan, then the Strawberry Alarm Clock. Some nice sequencing there. in Los Angeles in 1967, which you probably guessed from the name they come up with, because (laughs) a phrase like strawberry alarm clock could only have come out of Los Angeles in 1967. And within Uh, like a three-month window. Yeah. (laughs) One of their associates, who later became a member of the band, was a songwriter named George Bennell. Any relation that you know of? I'm not sure. I haven't done much investigation into the Bennell clan, but it's the correct state. Yeah. Yeah. It's plausible. So let, let's just go with that. He's your long-lost cousin, George. Sounds good. Yeah. Incense and Peppermints was their first and by far their biggest single. This hit number one on both Billboard and Cashbox, which is an out-of-this-world accomplishment on the Nuggets compilation. 
Uh, They did have a few other singles, including one more that got into the top 40 and a cover of Good Morning Starshine that improbably makes that song not suck. Who knew that was possible? The band had a pretty messy breakup eventually, including a lawsuit when their former manager tried to get just a bunch of randos together under the name Strawberry Alarm Clock, Uh, but it did serve as a launching point for a couple of the members of the band. Steve Bartek went on to join the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo, which of course later just became Oingo Boingo, and also has worked with Danny Elfman on his film scores. Ed King joined Leonard Skinnerd and thus has gone down in history as the guy who co-wrote both Incense and Peppermints and Sweet Home Alabama. I like this song, but I feel like it's the kind of nugget that you buy at the Sutter's Mill gift shop, which I'm not sure is a thing. I remember being just really bored the time I went there. Um, I don't know what Sutter's Mill is. Oh, it's, uh, it, I guess I'm too California for all of you. It's where <laughs> gold were found and then our hills in, in, in uh, 49. Oh, I probably learned that in the fifth grade, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> well, I definitely learned it in school, uh, mm-hmm. growing up in California. Uh, anyway, this song is catchy, but it, it's just everything about it is kind of the Austin Powers version of Psychedelia. Uh, I guess it's probably because it's just been so overexposed. Um, on the other hand, it's in like three separate keys, and it just goes about it casually like it ain't no thing. So that's pretty cool. I love this song. And I always have. And here's the part where I tell you guys that I signed up for this particular section of Nuggets because it had incense and peppermints on it. It's all the all the different keys, the vocal harmonies, the way it's just a tiny bit dissonant in places. This is one of the most interesting songs on this collection to me. A lot of the Nuggets sound, you know, kind of samey after a while, but this one is like a giant spotlight just came on. You know, when I listen to this, like, so, so on my curated uh, Nuggets set... Um, I don't have all the nuggets on my iPod. I have just about two thirds of it. I actually had excluded this one. I was like, huh, I'll go back and, and listen to this. And first couple times I listened to it through, I was like, oh, wait, no, this is way better than I remember. And then by the third and fourth, fifth times, I started to tire of it a little bit. There's just, I, I, I think I side more with Rich on this one. Like it's, it, it sounds good, but it, 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 it feels hollow. I guess like the, I like the description of the Austin Powers version of Psychedelia, but it's it's like the the cartoon version of Psychedelia. Like I, I feel like this is the the version of Psychedelia that's all fun, and they've never you know seen somebody overdose. That's part of Psychedelia. <laughs> yeah, and I I see what you guys are saying. This is like kindergarten level Psychedelia, yes. but you all heard my reaction to a wizard a true star which is That's like the real point. psychedelia and i don't care for that this is right up my alley yeah this isn't what doing drugs is actually like it's just no. a uh, <laughs> cartoon version of it yeah. like the yellow submarine version yeah on the other hand i like that there's an oingo boingo connection apparently yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right should we move on to the brogues let's move on to the brogues all right here's i ain't no miracle worker I am a miracle man! Don't ask me to move a mountain Don't ask me to swim the sea Don't think that I'm a tower of strength Don't lean too much on me When looking to the future Oh, don't build your dreams too high I beg you I'm just an ordinary guy I ain't no miracle worker I do the best that I can I ain't no 
Miracle Worker was released in 1964, and the Brogues were from Merced, California, now home to the University of California at Merced, or UC Merced. Um, so the Brogues all hailed from the local R&B club circuit uh, in Merced, and were, and were inspired by the British invasion, their name referring to American music with a British accent. So at the time, Merced was deep red California in 1964, and James Brown covers wouldn't fly there. So instead, they fashioned themselves after the adapted British R&B stylings of, say, like the pretty things and the animals. Um, so this song in particular was recorded on a tight deadline for their label, and the band quickly chose this song, written by Nancy Mance and Annette Tucker from a stack of publishers' demos. Um, and while we're on the subject, Annette Tucker is a recurring Nugget songwriter. She wrote both hits by the Electric Prunes on this collection, as well as a Knickerbockers song that isn't included. Uh, so since Amanda loves the Knickerbockers, uh, that's one for you. Which one did they sing? Lies. Yes, I do love the Knickerbockers. Uh, they'll, they'll be coming up again. Yay! They sound exactly like the Dave Clark Five. Yeah, so the Brogues then went on to provide two members, drummer Greg Elmore and guitarist singer Gary Duncan, to the Quicksilver Messenger Service, a band name I have heard. Woo. Uh, the thing about their name, it's interesting how they came up with it, but Brogues are Irish, not British, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, but they probably don't know that. I they They definitely don't know that. Anyhow, that's cute. Yeah, there's a lot of loosely interpreted British culture um, among Nuggets bands. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And this is totally a knockoff of Secret Agent Man, but just a little bit more cartoony. It it really makes me think of Danger Mouse, to be honest. It sound it reminds me of the Danger Mouse theme song. But I like it. I I totally predictably thought you meant the producer Danger Mouse, but oh, DJ Danger Mouse. No. Yeah. <laughs> I do like him, but no, I meant the old British cartoon. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I love I love that show. <laughs> it was oh, it was my favorite. Uh, I do like the song, though. It's nothing real memorable, but it's competent and it's fun, and that's all I really ask for from Nuggets. Yeah, to me, this is another cartoon '60s song. But uh, since I'm saying that for the second song in a row, that honestly makes me wonder if that's an unfair critique. Like, I'm just going. I can't just go through Nuggets and be like, "Hey, this sounds like the '60s. I hate it." <laughs> Um, this is pretty good. I just like Secret Agent Man better. Yeah. I really like the chorus, but that's the only part of the song that really matters. So I'm mm -hmm. okay with it. Yeah, honestly, I can never remember how the verses go. It's just that chorus that sticks yeah, in Yeah, I don't think we're supposed to. Yeah. I will say that, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I, I listen to it. When I listen to the song, yeah, the, the most of the song is just in the background. But as soon as it gets to the chorus, like, if there's nobody around i am going to sing it at the top of my lungs in a very undignified manner so not every sing song it does even that. when there are people around like on the train to work i'll consider that for next time it comes up <laughs> yeah i recommend that everyone will love it it won't be the that wouldn't be the craziest thing i heard on the train today so you know. no sounds like it anyhow next up is another name brand band this is Seven and Seven Is by Love. Oh! 
All right, if you saw that band name and guessed that Love also came out of L.A. in the 60s, you guessed right. Their name was originally The Grassroots, but then Creed Bratton and his buddies scooped them and they had to change it. (laughs) I feel like forming in 1965 makes this band early shareholders on having the name Love. Like, so many bands must have wanted to go for that one after 1967, but nope, these guys got it. They were very fashion forward. The prime mover and shaker in love was Arthur Lee, whom Frederick Lowe, as in Lerner and Lowe, identified as a melodic genius when Lee was only three years old. That is a lot to live up to, but Lee managed it. Uh, Love was remarkable for being one of the very first racially diverse bands in America. In addition to their, you know, immense musical talent, they weren't terribly successful at the time. Uh, But their third album, Forever Changes, is now commonly cited as one of the best rock albums of all time and is included in the Library of Congress's National Recording Registry. Uh, They also had a single called She Comes in Colors, which the Rolling Stones, again with the Stones, appear to have borrowed some lyrics from in their song, She's a Rainbow. Again with the Stones. Again with the Stones. This song was their- You also like a bad thing. (laughs) This song was their most successful single. It hit number 33 on the U.S. charts, which is, you know, pretty typical for these Nuggets songs. If they make it at all, or if they don't bubble under. Yeah, you're all about the bubbling under chart. Yeah, this one has interesting lyrics, at least if you're able to make them out. Especially, in my lonely room, I'd sit my mind in an ice cream cone, which refers to Arthur Lee's own time wearing a dunce's cap. So that's pretty funny. The The title apparently refers to a childhood sweetheart who shared Lee's birthday, March 7th, though I still don't know what 7 and 7 is besides 14. Um, and the boop it bip is apparently the sound of the singer, a bone, being thrown across the room. That, that, that That's not what throwing bones sounds like though i uh, i mean it might have like it might like hit something and then like clank another thing that makes the ip ip sound i don't know i don't know what his room looked like <laughs> i'm really curious now uh yeah so i always forget these guys are american because forever changes uh, i don't know maybe i'm wrong but it sounds kind of just precise and british to me in every way it but, is so uh, prissy <laughs> i love it though i mean we, yeah, it's, it's on the, it's on the it's on the long list for discord and rhyme for us to cover it we just we're just not we're just not sure when it's going to happen but this doesn't even sound like the same band. It's so wild and unpredictable, whereas the songs on Forever Changes, like, they're really rigid. They tend to stick to, like, like extremely stringent pronounced chord sequences that follow the melody. I like Forever Changes just fine. It's, I mean, I don't love it. It's a good album. I love this song so much. I would listen to this song a hundred times in a row before I would be in the mood for Forever Changes. Like, I just, I love how, I, I love the drums. Like, you guys didn't have the chance to see me just doing a, a massive air drums freak out when we were listening when we were listening to this before talking it's true um, john's camera isn't working and yeah, it's, it's awful. really a shame it's and really this a shame. is why we need you to fix your camera john because my life is much poorer for not having seen your air drum freak out it's 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 really quite true i also mm-hmm. love i also love the fact that like there's just this random slow blues shuffle at the end like most of the time when i listen to this song they're like what at least almost like something went wrong in recording on mine but as far as i know it's there uh and like whenever i listen to this song it's usually on shuffle and then like it comes to the end and then i was like oh it's going to the next i was like oh wait no there's this it's just this slow crawl out at the end well for the record a seven and seven is seven up and seagram seven which i have never tried but it sounds gross that does sound gross yeah i i doubt that's what the song is about though but who knows 
Uh, anyhow, this is a great song. I love the drums in it. They're very wipeout, especially paired up with that kind of surf rock guitar sound. And I cannot understand a word Lee is singing. So thank you for citing some of those lyrics, Rich. Uh, but it's, it's it's a terrific vocal performance. This is a just a great song. It's somehow fun and kind of ominous at the same time. You knew what some of the words were. They were boop, hip, hip, boop, hip, hip. Yeah, obviously. The, yeah, well, yeah, that part was perfectly clear. Yeah, the sound of a bone hitting various walls and items in Arthur Lee's room. Maybe after he had a few seven and sevens. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, next up is The Outsiders. Time won't let me. Okay, Time Won't Let Me was released in early 1966 on Capitol Records and hit number five on the Hot 100. That's right, it's a hit! Oh, oh my voice just cracked there. I'm going to leave it in. How <laughs> so old are the, you? Um, 35. <laughs> Sorry, that was mean. You're always so mean. So I the am out- terrible. So the Outsiders were from Cleveland and were originally named the Starfires, but guitarist slash singer Tom King was kicked off of label Pama Records by his uncle, who owned the label and the band name, and accused King of being an outsider to the family, probably for playing that darn rock and roll music. But anyway, they had a new name. Well, that was a cold thing to do. Yeah, seriously. Jeez. So this song is notable for having a particularly layered arrangement for a Nuggets track. Like, the Outsiders here mix a horn section with 12-string electric guitar and electric organ with a vibrato, so that's pretty cool here. Lyrically, it's just more horny men, but this time it's not the man's fault. It's times. Excuses, excuses. Man alive. A lot of excuses on the Nuggets set. Uh-huh. So this is the second song in this chunk, uh, the first being Incense and Peppermints, that I have known for my whole life. Thanks to Oldies 104.3 out of Chicago. John, did you ever listen to that back when it existed? I think my my mom put it on from time to time, but this is still back. But when she would, it was probably back in the days before I cared that rock music existed. Oh, yeah. It used to be one of my favorite radio stations, with along with Q101, also out of Chicago. That was the alternative mm, rock station. R.I.P. Yep, I know. I used to listen to it online. I was really sad when it just died for good. Anyhow, you know, R.I.P. terrestrial radio in general. Anyhow, 10 years spent in various concert bands taught me that skipping through two or three notes before you hit the right one is what happens when you try to attack a high note on the trumpet, but you're not quite on the right partial. This is very commonly heard in 14-year-old trumpet players who are trying to show off. But I suspect the player on this song is doing it deliberately for effect, though, because once he does settle into the right note, the intonation and the tone are perfect, and it works beautifully i really love how he does that every time this is just a super duper fun song i love it i love this song more nuggets need horns yes it just puts us it just puts such a, a pep a pep in my step whenever this comes on Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the, the the ascending vocal line that gets taken over by the trumpet is just beautiful. More songs need horns, like all of Yes's Tales from Topographic Oceans. Sure, why not? You Let's swap out some of the synth patches and... Can't hurt. Yeah. Wait a minute, was that an insult? Yes, it was. <laughs> Leaves podcast forever. If you actually carried through on any of those threats, John. All right, up next is The Squires with Going All the Way. to be confused with Neil Young's first band, which was also called The Squires, and is not these guys. The lead singer of These Squires was named Mike B-O-U-Y-E-A, which I can only assume is pronounced Booyah. We can he only later... hope. Let's just yeah. go with that. Yep, I'm going with that. He later went on to be a radio personality on 1050 Chum here in Toronto. It's sports talk radio, and he wrote a theme song for the Blue Jays, which is really cool. Uh, back to the Squires, though, they formed in Bristol, Connecticut, because apparently there were bands not in L.A., which is just weird. And originally they were called. The yeah, I didn't, I didn't think that was allowed. They're breaking the law. And their original name was the Rogues. So clearly they knew <gasps> that that was not allowed. This was their one and only single, and it was a hit in their hometown, but nowhere else, which, again, is not unusual for Nuggets. There are a lot of local and regional hits on here. And the band dissolved after Mr. Booyah was drafted and sent to Vietnam, which is a pretty good reason for a band to break up. It's a very nugget story. Yeah. Very timely. I like it. I mean, it's I, I, I get the what you said in, in the notes about how the, the lead singer isn't quite belting it as much as as one might like. But I feel like the combination of that... Um, and and the harmonies, it almost gives it kind of this exotic, mystical feel in, in the vocals. Like I almost feel, like I almost feel like it's like like when I listen to this, I think of Welsh music, and I don't know why. But there's like this 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 wispy uh, mysticism almost in in the in the way they sing it, and it's probably totally un- unintentional. It's probably just from them not going full force. In how they sing the chorus and, and and how Booyah sings his his verses, but if it's serendipity, then so be it. Like I think it it, it it it's 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 a nice change from the overly brash types of, of vocal stylings that takes up a lot of of what you hear on Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like this one a lot, especially the vocal harmonies in the chorus. The second time they sing, I'm going all the way. It's just gorgeous to me it really captures my attention but yeah it's 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 a very tentative vocal performance and i get what you're saying and i almost agree with you 
But I think a little bit more confidence would have served the song very well. Uh, I think the song is fine, but across four discs of garage rock, sometimes I'm going to be at a loss for words, and this is one of those cases, I think. (laughs) It's a pretty good song. It's called Going All the Way, and it's by the Squires. That is accurate. All right, well, then let's move on to Chicago's legendary Shadows of Night with I'm Gonna Make You Mine. It's the Shadows of Night again. <laughs> this came out in 1966 and hit number 90 on the Hot 100, so who cares? Uh, anyway, unlike Oh Yeah, this one actually has the makings of a good song. Uh, though it's a nugget in the truest sense, because the production is lo-fi before lo-fi was a buzzword. Uh, on that note, though, I do really love the the super distorted, fuzzy like version of the Can't Explain riff that opens the song. Uh, that's probably my favorite part. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, it's uh, it's just kind of a garage rocker. I was a lot happier before you suggested that I look at the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It wrecks yeah. The fun. yeah, like I mentioned when we were listening to the song a minute ago, it was the line "I'm gonna take and you're gonna give" that made me it's go, like, "Wait, what?" Oh, okay. and it it, it only That's goes downhill from there. There's a he, you know, explicitly states that he's gonna pretend he didn't hear if she says no. And it's it is just gross. Yeah. Aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you enjoy the play? There, there might be the beginnings of a good song in here, but it's it's buried under everybody just bashing away at their instruments. Yeah, there are some nuggets that really do just sound like a bunch of doofuses in their buddy's garage, and this is one of them. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of when I was playing um, the song "I Want to Be Your Boyfriend" by the Rubinos, uh, which is a really great catchy song uh, but like my, my my roommate walked in and it was it was playing the lyrics and the chorus goes gonna make you love me for all time and he said wow that's really creepy and i i hadn't thought about it but yeah a lot of rock lyrics yeah <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> i feel like this was a kind of unexceptional set of songs sorry everyone <laughs> no it had incense and peppermints on it this was extremely exceptional that's it true seven and seven is yeah that's one of the best songs of all time <laughs> That's and true. I had time won't let me. Okay, the, I guess the peaks were really high, and then the other ones were just. I like going all the way. Uh, yeah, me too. Fine. Yeah. Every song was great except for the last one. <laughs> yeah, the last one kind of ruined everything, didn't it? What do you call this record with all these songs? This is comp. Yeah, yeah. This is comp. Yeah, 
Thank you for listening to this installment of This Is Comp, which is part of the Discord and Rhyme podcast. If you would like to get early access to these episodes, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash discordpod and make a pledge at the $5 level. Our opening theme here is performed by the Hector Collectors. You can find more of their music at thehectorcollectors.bandcamp.com. The closing theme you're hearing right now is performed by Kenneth Crayley, and you can find his own music at Kenneth Crayley, that's K-R-A-Y-L-I-E dot bandcamp.com, and his band Casinos at casinos.bandcamp.com. Music for the theme was originally composed by Andy Partridge of XTC with new lyrics by Adam Smith of the Hector Collectors. You can visit our website, discordpod.com, for more info about the show and a list of upcoming episodes. Follow us on Twitter at DiscordPod, follow Rich at Zonetrope, John at Tarkus1980, and I am at MagneticInc67. We will see you for the next batch of nuggets, and in the meantime, be ever wonderful. Wonderful.